I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I promise to do my best and not fangirl over our guests the entire episode. Our guest has starred in some musicals you might have heard of, such as Beetlejuice, Legally Blonde, Sondheim on Sondheim, and Funny Girl. Please welcome to the mic, actress and comedian, Leslie Rodriguez-Kritzer. Pew, pew, pew. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Oh, Ryan, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that we connected through the internet. And now I am here and you are so funny. You had the funniest tweet and my husband and I loved it so much. (laughs) Literally guffawed laughing, just so funny. And I was instantly smitten. And I was like, I need to know who this is. And I, I, I must be friends with him. And so I'm so happy that you asked me to do the podcast. Oh, the feeling's mutual. You know, the best comedy just comes from truth. None of that was lies. None of that, none of that no. tweet was lies. No. I, I, it inspired me to keep telling my truth on Twitter since I stopped. But we'll get, we'll, uh, well, I stopped doing as much during all of this, but we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get to that. So you grew up Puerto Rican, Jewish, yes. around the yes. city, might yes. be the most qualified New Yorker just based off of that. I know. Brooklyn and the Bronx came together in a magical post-divorce. Well, my parents got married and my dad's first marriage broke up because of that. But yes, they uh, they got together, both boroughs, and created, my, and created me. <laughs> I, that is inspiring to me. I often um, don't continue dating people in other boroughs because I say it's long distance, but Apparently it works. So No, it is long distance. It is. It, it let's be real. My husband and I, who I've known for many years, he's a musical director. We we met many years ago, but when we reconnected in quotation marks meaning at an after party of a show mm-hmm. and subsequently went out drinking with everybody at um till 2 in the morning. Um we started dating and we lived 3 blocks from one another. So <laughs> That's, and we wound up getting married, so <laughs> that's the dream. If I can walk to you, if I don't have to touch the train, I'll I'll get married to whoever whoever I it mean, is. It was kind of brilliant. The, you know, the the walk homes in the morning were like, I need to like go and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. We're brilliant. And then you know then here it you worked. Are. Here you it are. worked. Here we are. So I have kind of an odd question. Um, you are like an actual hilarious person. So like how did you end up in musical theater? 
Oh, it is. It's not odd. It's actually you're one of the only people that have ever asked me that. And I quite appreciate it because it was a choice. Um, I never, I, I, well, I always wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. That, that was a big dream. And, um, and I, I feel like I sound like a dentist who like <laughs> said, I always wanted to be on Broadway, but I wound up being a dentist. It's just like, you know, when you said it's like, oh, that was my dream. And I wound up being an accountant. Yep. But um, I, I, I really wanted to just do comedy but I was really, I really started off being a musical person. Um, I studied piano. I studied classical voice. Like I went into this mu- music world because music is a big part of my life. And then I was like, oh, shit, I'm funny. Oh, I'm doing like musicals in school. I love musicals. I love cast recordings. I'm a big old nerd. Let's go to school for musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was no let's move to L.A. and be a comedian. Like it, that wasn't the instinct. That wasn't. Uh, it was later, um, after I graduated from college, I was like, I need to move to LA. I need to go to the Growlings. I need to be on Saturday Night Live. Um, and I never fully went there because I started working. And once you start working and you're also passionate about musical theater and you find your community and you're gaining some success, you go where the work is. You're not going to be I'm going, you know, I'm going to go rogue and go over here. At least at that time, I didn't do that. And like I said, I was I was achieving success pretty quickly. Um, but, but yeah, there's always been a, a, a regret of like not going to L.A. and not going to the Growlings because a lot of yada yada. And even, even when I was at um, Upright Citizens reading, doing some of their classes and I was doing Hairspray uh, what, 2006 or so, and I was going downtown to Upright Citizens Brigade and seeing their late shows and hanging out with all of these people who now live in L.A. and who are either writers or on TV shows or whatever. I, you know, I never made the jump because, it, you know, I had this legit Broadway job. So why would I do that? Well, let me just make some comedy videos and do stuff on the side, right, and to mm-hmm. kind of scratch that itch and – um, it's still something that I currently am actually thinking about making the jump and leaving New York, um, for a while. Although <laughs> I think everyone is like, should I leave New York? Should I stay? Mm-hmm. I think everybody's going through it, but I'm really, you know, I'm starting to think like I need chapter two. Um, and maybe that involves moving and starting a new thing for myself, um, and sort of, there I say it, leaving musical theater behind for a while. Um, people just gasped. Uh, no. Everybody gasped. Everybody was like, Everyone oh, no, gasped. oh, no, no. Everyone gasped. Uh, although I totally don't – I don't think of myself as anyone that anyone would know, even though people know me. It's like, you know – and it's not even self-deprecating. There's just so many of us, you know, and it's like yeah. – there's so many of us. There's so many wonderful of us in our world, our community – which is actually like 10 blocks long um, in the Broadway world. You know, every, yeah. there's theater everywhere, of course. I'm not just making it about Broadway because I don't believe in that either. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really I'm thinking I need a change. So that's – I. by the way, I have not even told anybody that. <laughs> I'm saying it very publicly to you that, uh, yeah, I really um, – I believe in taking risks. I feel like, you know – for me to like have gone into this field at all is so nuts when I think about it. It's all so crazy. It's all such a gamble. So everything, and but life is a gamble. Life is risks. I mean, anything, you know, we, we, we always were, we think we always have things in control, but we just don't like, look what just happened in our world. Like nobody saw this shit coming. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to work and all of a sudden someone's like, can you wash your hands and like use some hand sanitizer between scenes and stuff? And I'm like, sure. Cut to a year later. <laughs> like cut to a year later, I'd like walking down the street obsessively putting my mask on because I don't want someone else to be mad at me. Like it's so, you know, or washing my groceries before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we've done some crazy shit this year. So there's no, there's no one plus one equals two in life. It's like, one plus pandemic equals what the fuck. It's like, it's, you know, it's, we always think we have it figured out, but, and 
we can see a linear life, but it's just not that way. That was a rant. I apologize. I actually don't apologize, but it was a rant. (laughs) I I mean, I loved every moment of it. And I think, yeah, like you said, so many people are like, is New York the place to be right now? And uh, yeah, the pandemic really, really sucks. But I think for a lot of people who are in theater and in the grind in New York, it has kind of opened up a new idea of where I can be to continue to pursue the work that I want to do. And it doesn't have to be here. No. And I think that's going to be hopefully a beautiful trend that extends past this. Um, I happen to love currently living in New York, but like I haven't always and I won't always. And feeling the need to stay in the city based off of, for me at this point, job potential, not even like jobs. Right. Potential. Like gets, it it just gets tiring. It does. And, and I, well, look, you know, um, today, you know, there's a huge announcement. De Blasio just came out and said this whole thing about getting arts workers vaccinated and getting people back to New York and Broadway people working in the theater and the arts and all of that, which is very promising. Finally, someone's fucking saying something about, you know, the reason why tourists come here is because of the theater and the arts community. I mean, that's, it's not just to see the Empire State Building. It's like they want to eat and they want to see shows. And it's like... (laughs) They want to go to Joe Allen. They want to get the burger. They want exactly, and they want to go get the best pizza, and they want to do the bus tours. And but really, it's the arts. Um, And I do believe it's going to come back. Of course, of course. I mean, it will. It's just now there's a lot more at play in New York. There's real estate with offices, and that whole thing is changing. There's so many things. So 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 many things. Um, my itch with moving or trying a different way has been happening for a while. I just kept working. So lucky me, um, luxury problem. Um, and I was in a show, so I'm like, I'm not leaving. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like I have a good job. I'm making good money. I'm living the dream. But also like at a certain point, um, you know, I'm 43. I'll be 44 in May. And I'm like you know, you can change. Like you can, if you want to pick up and move, pick up and move. Like who cares? You can always come back. God knows I can always come back. And God knows everyone knows how to find me. Hashtag Leslie Kritzer at gmail.com. <laughs> like, you know, hashtag Instagram. Like it's not like if, if someone wants to hire me in New York, they know how to find me. And so that's the thing too. It's like, even if you, you know, obviously you're in New York and, and I went through phases in the city. I live in New Jersey now, about 30 minutes outside the city, but I lived in, I don't know how old you are, Ryan, but I'm assuming you're young. You're not even 30. I am not even 30, but I am 29, which is, I think older somehow. I don't know. I don't know. 30 was a really good birthday. That's all I have to say. But yeah, like when I was your age, I'm living in the city, I'm figuring it out. Um, you know, at that point I had been in the city for how long since 99. So like, yeah. And, and about what, a couple of years later, I wound up moving out here, but yeah, you're still in like that. I'm still, you know, doing my thing in the city. Now I'm in a pandemic and we'll figure out about work and like everybody it's, it's one of those things too, where it's kind of amazing time because everybody's in the same boat. It's not like, oh, these few people keep working. And uh, yep, yep. then there's everybody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like, well, these people are working. I mean, yes, people are working, but most people are not, um, everyone's sort of screwed right now in many ways. So it's like, you got your nine to fivers that will always be able to sit home and be on their Zoom calls and their companies a lot. But, you know, oh, and then 500,000 plus people who died, then there's mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So it's just like, it's just so nuts. I mean, I know my thoughts are all all over the place. I'm a classic Gemini, but I, I'm actually feeling even more hopeful. Like when I think about you, I'm like, God, you're hilarious. You're talented. You're 29. You're living in the city. Like life is good. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to be just fine. I feel it. Like I got, I got so much out of that one tweet from you <laughs> that made my day week that I was like, I love him. And so like, 
I don't know. I have a good feeling about you. I'm not worried about you at all. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That is the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. I know you say that like it's like a luxury problem that you kept booking, but we're in the field based off of passions. So like, right. I get, I mean, I get it. I, I, I don't have the resume yet that you have, but I understand being like, I got into musical theater on the passion of musical theater. I have a passion for comedy. I'm going to do that. And they're all always there. They're all, they're not going, they're not leaving. But I think it's for creatives. I think there's just kind of like a different impulse to follow things like that and follow them through. Yeah, I think intuition, your gut, you can change. Like I always say that. I even say it to people when I teach. You know, I go, it's okay to change your mind, you guys. You know, you can change your mind. You can decide, you know what? This is too hard. And I'm really actually good at this thing. I'm going to go do that. Or, wow, I have really loved it. This has been an awesome run. I'm going to go live in L.A. for a while and see. And so many of my friends have done that, either stayed or come back or gone back and forth. Um, it unfolds. It all unfolds as it should. You know, like even when I look back on all the things that I didn't get, all the big disappointments, the shows that, you know, like a show that shall remain nameless. Oh, screw it. I'll say it. <laughs> um, okay. So it was like things that you're like, oh, my God, if I had gotten this then this, right? Um, you know, so, so, so many things. But one example, perfect, a musical theater example, and Je- hi, Jesse Mueller, if you're listening to this, you know I love you. Um, uh, 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 what's the show that was at Roundabout, Betsy Wolf, Stephanie Block? Oh, my God. This is the... Um, oh, um, the... Da, da, mm. Before the very dead of night and day. You know, um... um Oh God! Everyone and their oh, mother no, was in I'm that. The worst falsettos. No, no that's but- what my husband did. But bingo. Um, okay. Anyway, there's a part in that. Jesse Mueller was in it. She had just the Tony nominations literally had come out the day before, for um, on a clear day because okay. you know that was her first show in New York, mm-hmm. and they she was up for this part in in um this show i want to say the robert bridegroom p.s it's not robert bridegroom because that's the show drood? i was in edwin drood ding okay. ding edwin drood and they weren't me. sure right they weren't sure they weren't sure they they were down they were like okay we love her we're not sure um we're gonna audition people i was one of those people i put myself on tape from san diego california i was in san diego at the time i was flying in for the audition, literally the day before I flew in, she gets nominated for a Tony Award for On a Clear Day. Now, I'm not saying that her getting nominated is the reason why she got the part, but it doesn't hurt. Right. Yeah, it changes <laughs> things from a producer's standpoint. It, it changes things, and it did. I didn't get the part. It doesn't matter if I was the best or not. She got the part. You know she's phenomenal. We're totally different people. But it's like, you know, even in retrospect, I was like, I wasn't supposed to get that because if I had gotten that, then I would have gotten the other thing. And if I had gotten this and I wouldn't have gotten Robert Bridegroom, which made me got, you know, got me to work with Alex Timbers, who has been such a good friend and brought me along, who offered me the role in Beetlejuice. Like it all. And by the way, I'm in my, you know, 40s now. So you guys, it's not like I'm like 19 right off the CCM boat or something (laughs) like that. Um, like straight with my Laducas, like Laducas, jewel tones, ready jewel to go. tones. Don't even get me started with some of these colleges are still, they're wearing character shoes in their senior class photo group photos. Okay. Well, you know, the trick to book wicked, right? No. So you, you wear your Laducas and if you're a Glinda, you wear jewel tone pink. If you're an Alphaba, you wear your jewel tone emerald. And if you are quote unquote, both or Nessa, you wear jewel tone purple and that's how it works. I cannot. <laughs> I love this shit so much. I don't know any of this shit. I croaked at so like at least two wicked auditions, which is why I'm one of the few brunettes that belt in New York City that has not done alphabet. Thank God, because I li- probably would be ret- like retired in a speech therapist by now. There's no way I would have sang that score eight shows a week without going absolutely crazy. I have no idea how they do it. I mean, I guess you're just a monk. Yeah, yeah. And there a lot of those girls, like they're like, you know, my girl Shoshana, who I went to college with, all those girls, they 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 live up there. I I 
I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy singing up there. And if they were here right now, they'd be like, Leslie, I don't enjoy it either. But it's like, yeah, I can do it. But it was friggin' nuts. And of course, I I really, I am very blessed and so happy I never did Wicked because mentally it's not, I, I it's just not my, I'd rather be funny and literally ruin my body physically throwing myself around a stage than uh, eight shows a week. Fair. No. <laughs> Totally it's fair. so, it's so, it's so not enjoyable to me unless it was super easy and maybe I was 24. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless it like literally roll out of bed and I'm like, ah, and I'm like, oh, this is so easy. I'm like, thanks so much for coming. There's my, you know, car service. Like I, I I'd be obsessive. I'd be crazy. I'd be a mess. You'd just be a really good matinee alphabet. That's what I'm hearing. You know what? Give me it. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Thank you. I'd be so happy to be just like come in, do a matinee and leave. Oh my God. Like You're like home that, by like six. That's like brilliant. I'd have food. Literally, I would, the seamless would be ordered. I'd be on my way. It would just genius. Still not for Wicked, but maybe another show. Maybe anything else. Anyway, so that's, so yeah, so I don't even know what question you asked me. You're like the best because I'm like, I'm going into different worlds here. I don't even know where I, where we started. So I mean, this is, this is the best first date I've ever been on. So I'm having oh a Oh my blast. God. Amazing. So you said that you, you know, you would rather like throw your body around and be funny and goofy. Is that what connected you to Funny Girl? Oh my God. By the way, you just said that so sweet. Is that what connected you to Funny Girl? And I was like, oh my God. You could be my son. You're so sweet. It was just so sweet how you said that. Not my son. Way too young. But (laughs) my brother. There Um, we go. So, yeah, you know, that's one of those parts where it's like, oh, that's so me. I'm the bagel on a plate full of, wait, onion rolls or an onion roll Mm -hmm. on a plate full of bagels, whatever that line is. Like, yeah, the, 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 you know, everyone in that part resonates with me it resonated with me so much too. It's because um, you just want to be seen. You want to be like, you're funny and you know, that's what you do and you do it so well, you do it better than anybody else. And at the core of it, you're like Fanny Bryce always. um, I think there was an element, at least in that show, not necessarily in real life of like, you're never enough, right? You're not beautiful enough. You're not this enough, but you're a fighter and goddamn, you're going to fight your way through that you know and prove yourself and show everyone what you're made of and I think that was like a theme for my growing up too so I identified against all odds like I I identified with that so much but the physicality of Fanny Bryce and also the studying that I did about her when I did that show at 24 years old you know she just was fearless and I that's how I am like um why, why am I like that? I love make people laugh. I love physical comedy. I love um, what small things can do to make somebody laugh while you're on stage, like the, the science of it, the, the whole thing. And that in that show, I was able to really embody it. It's one of the few shows that's written for a woman that were woman stars in where they're allowed to be just off the wall bonkers and also have an emotional depth. And people will say, oh, well, it's a flawed show. It's like, oh, fuck off. Why like, isn't a flawed you, show? Like, it's a musical. <laughs> it's a musical. We take I, the time to let them sing. I talk, there's a vamp, and then I sing, okay? <laughs> it's not real life, but <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a scene change. Like, this is there's a transition where a piece of furniture goes across, and then, oh, someone appears stage left. Look, a deer. Like, it's like, <laughs> this is not... Okay, everyone calm down about structure for two fucking seconds. You know, like not every show is perfect. I mean, I always say, and people get so purist about this shit. Okay, fine. West Side Story is a perfect show. Okay? Yeah. It is a, It is one of those shows you're like, oh my God, it's perfect. Gypsy, I also think is perfect. But there's a fucking song about an egg roll in the middle of the thing. But there's a reason why. Yes. Okay? There's a reason <laughs> why Mr. Goldstone, isn't it Mr. Goldstone? Mr. Goldstone? Yes. Right. Gold. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, well, you know, that that song is to get him on board so that we can get the money to do what we need to do to move on to make, you know, not June, the other one, Uh, a star. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, or well, June at the time in that scene. 
before What's Her Face becomes a star. Laura Benanti. <laughs> That's, I was I'm like, just, uh, I know Laura it was Laura Benanti. And there we go. Laura Benanti and Patty LeBone. But yeah, all shows are flawed. All shows are, fl- everyone's going to have an opinion. The bottom line is with shows too, again, going off on a tangent, we fall in love with our experience of whatever that show was. People still, and Andrew Lippa, if you're watching or, or listening, or Michael John Lacusa, Andrew Lippa's version, and I don't love all of Andrew Lippa's shows. Sorry, Andrew. Like, we don't love all of, you sure you don't love all of my performances? It's totally fine. But Your Wild Party was perfection. Yes. For me, Your Wild Party, I saw it. Maybe it was a time in my life. Maybe it was whatever. But that performance, that production at Manhattan Theater Club was fucking genius. Julia Murney, everybody was perfect, and no one can tell me otherwise. I don't care. I saw the Michael John Lacusa version. Of course, it was brilliant, but I was in a way different headspace. It did not resonate with me. I love Tony Collette. I could care less. That's just, but that's my experience. That's someone can come to Beetlejuice one night and be like, Leslie Kritzer is the best thing since sliced bread. And someone else can come the other night and be like, she is the worst thing. Why did she ever become an actor? Like that is, that's the beauty of our, our, and it's, it's, it is subjective. It's mm-hmm. subjective. We're allowed. So it's like, it's an experience. So that's why I can't stand when people are like, oh, it's a flawed show. It's like, who cares? It's, you know, it's, yes. And, but how amazing that we can have all of these different experiences. Like some people hated Bridges Madison County. I fucking loved it. And I think, you know, like I, I loved it. I had an experience with a friend of mine who was like crying and I'm crying. And I'm like, this is not my favorite show in the world, but I love, I'm loving this experience I'm having in this moment, you know? I sat front row. I'll just tell you this really quick, and then I'm get off my tangent. I sat second second row of rent. I waited 15 hours outside with my friend Amy Walk. This is in the 90s, late 90s, when people were still sitting outside waiting for you know the first two rows rush tickets before the intranet. <laughs> and I hated rent. I hated it. I I was like, this is dumb. Okay, one of like the most important shows <laughs> of our lifetime. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. There's parts of it that obviously I loved, but I, overall, I'm like, really? She, really? She's going to wake up and she's like, will you like my candle? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I was way more into it at the moment watching Masterclass with Patty Lapone. I think it was Patty Lapone who was doing it. And also um, um, with, um, what the fuck? Oh my God. This is. Was that the is, Tyne Daily one? No. It was Masterclass with Patty Lapone, and then right next door was Elaine Stritch in not who to, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. The Al- oh, my God. Wow. Anyway, she was in this play. I was, like, more in that headspace of, like, classical acting plays, and I saw Rent, and I was like, this is a mess. But that's where I was emotionally or wherever I was. Like, it makes no sense, but it made sense to me at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's my tangent. Don't come for me. Don't don't come for her. I swear, if any of don't you don't come, come for, for me, her, even don't even do though it. I said terrible things about rent. That is, I know it's blasphemy. But you know, it's sometimes, blasphemy. sometimes, yeah, it's like I. Oh, what season was this? I don't know, but I saw on your feet three times. I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Right. I did not see Natasha Pierre, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I had plenty of friends be like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And right. each time I was like in the mood to go to Broadway, I was like, I'm mm. just going to go see On Your Feet. You're right, exactly. I want to spend my money in On Your Feet. Yeah. So it's like, I, I get that. The The Battle of the Wild Parties was funny for my life because it was like right when I was getting into musicals. So I was like in high school and I could only listen to things because I grew up in Oregon. So all I could get was whatever was at the library, really. And then I would put it on my computer and I would be like, okay, this is what I'm going to listen to. And we, my like class of theater friends all just really attached to Lippa's Wild Party to the point where we like put together a group musical number to go to competitions and sing the like, we were having a wild, wild party at like 16. Because it was like I know, sexy you get and fun attached and... to what you attach to. Yeah. So anytime I hear the other version of Wild Party, which I'm sure people love, I'm like, yeah, but it, it's not 
that whole experience. It's not finding the album at the library and then having my friends love it and then us taking the time to learn it. Exactly. Ex- and that's the, and that's what I also miss is the discovery of things. I lived at the New York Public Library um, during college a lot of times when I'd come home for over summers. I would sit there and listen and listen and listen to cast recordings and watch shows in the – which, by the way, if, if and once it reopens, please take advantage of it. It is one of the most incredible resources to see things in the world. You all, I don't think anywhere else in the world has the archival that they do. Um, and you can really watch anything for research purposes. And they, it's just an amazing place. And I discovered so many things there. And I think there's an attachment. There's something that speaks to you. You know, every, every, like On Your Feet spoke to you. Here Lies Love spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Like watching that show, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait till they bring it back. Like I saw it on my birthday and I was just so... And it's like out there and, you know, but it, there's something about it that really spoke to me. Why is Sideman still one of my favorite plays ever? And I hope they revive it because it spoke to me. It's like more than, oh God, there's some other things that like people told me to see and I never saw. Like you'd think someone like me would go to see the producers in a second. And yeah. I had no interest. I never saw the producers ever. I mean, I was in New York when it was still running. <laughs> was- I was going to say, have you been in for the producers though? No. Strange. Broadway, get it together before I mean, she goes to LA. <laughs> right. But are they bringing it back? I'm sure. I don't know. I don't oh, even I'm know sure. what's coming back. I'm like, Wicked's coming back. And I bet you a million dollars in the next five years, Legally Blonde will come back. I Which swear. It should. It should. It should come back. It really should. It's time. And that show is so fun. It's so, so fun. fun. I don't know. I mean, you you know, you were in it. Um, like, I don't right. know how many times I have watched the grainy YouTube somebody recorded of the MTV, like, broadcast of it. It's just so good. Yeah, it is. I wasn't in that. Everyone thinks I was because obviously, you know, you'd think I was. But I left before they recorded that. And my friend Tracy J. Edwards played Serena. Um, we look very similar, except she's taller. But... um. <laughs> Yeah, I left before that, but but it's like, it's it's how many times have I watched every little step? I watch it at least once a year. That movie about the making of a chorus line. If any and if anyone out there is listening to it, and you have not seen it. It is a must. It's the making of a chorus line. The the last Broadway revival and Nikki Snelson, who was auditioning, who was my dressing roommate in Legally Blonde at the time, was filming it during it. And it just is just like one of the best examples of a process of auditioning for a show I've ever seen. Um, and it's also so campy and kitschy in a way. And so like the amount like, of times I'm like, did I get it? Yeah. Or, um, I'll just be like sitting around and I'm like, it's something about fighting for a seat, fighting for a seat, fighting for a yeah, seat yeah. on the F train. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I watch that. Yeah. At least once a year, twice a year. It's just once a year, twice a year. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to get it on Amazon. I should have just pirated it by now. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's just ins- so. it inspires me so much. I know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but yeah, Legally Blonde needs to come back. It's just, it's it's a blast in a glass. I don't know. It is. It is. It's so fun. I had a great time doing that show. All right. So you are fearless. You are a comedian. You are into comedian. music. Yes. Why do you think you're like this? Well, I think... Um, I, oh my God, Lady Gaga, I was born this way. But I think, you know, I've always, I've always had this thing for comedy. I just, I've always, I was always funny. I was always funny. Even as a child, I was funny. And my family is funny. So I was around that a lot. And I love making people laugh. I also think, not to get like deep, but to get deep, it's, it's also a role that I played. I knew how to diffuse situations by being funny. I knew what um, making light of things could do in a situation and calm things down or smooth things over to the point sometimes of even dumbing myself down to do it Mm -hmm. if I didn't feel confident enough to stand up for myself or, you know, to get through a situation. Um, So there's a, there's good and there's, there's like plus and minus of, of that 
trait and that talent. I grew up in a family too that was very musical. My father was a musician and an accountant. Um, he never, you know, he loved music. He he didn't have as big dreams as as I did, I think, because I think he realized at a certain point maybe he wasn't as determined or as talented to pursue a life being a professional musician. Also, he had children and had to kind of figure out what that was going to be. But, um, you know, music and, and the arts like really saved me. I always say that uh, I found so much happiness um, and passion. And I think nothing's by mistake either because I, I think you wind up where you're supposed to be. Um, and sometimes I hear, you know, like the saying, I didn't choose it, it chose me. And I feel like that's true. I chose to keep working and to keep pursuing it and be driven and ambitious and work hard. Those things I chose. But the passion, I think I didn't choose. I think I was born with something and then I was introduced to things at the right time that propelled me into being set up for success uh, to use my gifts and to explore my gifts, which which is like I'm lucky because I think a lot of people – they have gifts and no one ever um, helps them develop them. Mm -hmm. And they're born with many things that, you know, they just sort of lie dormant because of whatever reason, either opportunity or encouragement. And so, yeah, I think I'm very lucky that I'm, that I have these things. And I think as I get older too, I want to find a way to give them away, you know, like, I've been thinking a lot about how I can be more of service in the world, just not just to be talented and, you know, revered and make money and do all those things. But like, how do I use my gifts in a different way where I'm not necessarily just singing for money and making people happy on a monetary, in a monetary <laughs> world, but how can I use them to, to, for good, like a better, for a bigger purpose than, than that? Um, and I think that's going to be an, another chapter in my life and, or an addition um, because uh, I'm older now and I'm realizing different different things. I think that is all beautiful. There are oh. a couple things that I really keyed into. Um, the like kind of everything happens for a reason mentality, but I worked for it. I think it's like a key moment in that phrase when people yeah. are like, everything happens for a reason. I've definitely known people in my life who fully believe in that in a passive way where it's like yeah. everything will happen. So it'll just happen. Yeah. But there's also the other side of that coin, which is I will end up where I'm supposed to end up because I am working at it, yeah. which I really identify with. And then just always being funny. I mean, to take it back to Fanny Bryce, always <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah. It's it's so funny cuz I you know I started doing stand up too. I don't do it anymore, but I st I was doing stand up for a while and I had a stand up show downtown with a friend of mine Lisa who still does stand up comedy and is a writer. And I didn't love it. Um I did not love doing stand up comedy. I love stand up comedy, but I didn't love doing it. Uh I like doing more character based comedy, scenario based comedy. I think you can't teach someone how to be funny, but I can, you can teach someone how to write, you can learn how to write good jokes. And I think there are two separate things. When you have someone that is inherently good at both, that's like magic, but that's not always the case. Um, and joke writing is, is difficult, you know? So I had, I realized I'm like, I'm not great at writing jokes, but also on the flip coin, did I work hard enough at writing them and learning them? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I think uh, I get, you know, it became too hard. And like, that's the thing too. It's like, okay, well, if you want to do something, if you want to do a podcast, you can't sit around thinking, yeah, I want to do a podcast. You got to like do the podcast and do the work and do put the footwork in to make it happen. Like you're doing it. You can't just expect someone to call you from, uh, you know, one of the Wondery Productions or whatever <laughs> podcast and be like, hey, we'd love to produce your podcast. Here's $50,000. We're going to get you this, this and this. Like you got to start somewhere. And, you know, there's and to be honest, like to be completely honest, when I put my mind to something, if I want to do something, it gets done. Yeah. I have a lot of ideas 
that have not gotten done because I didn't put my mind to doing them and no one's going to make me do them. I've had opportunities where people have presented things and they're like, hey, this, this. And I haven't like sort of put the metal, like I have like made them happen for whatever reason, but I can't complain if those things didn't happen if I didn't do the footwork to make them happen. Um, And on the flip side of that, maybe they weren't supposed to because I didn't have enough of the impulse that it was important enough. Instead of beating myself up going, well, you should have done this and this and this. Like, So what is the point of me saying all this? You can't complain if you didn't get something, if you didn't work to get it, right? Yeah. But there can be a surrender to going, you know what? I don't want to obsess about this thing. I'm going to keep doing my work and also let it go of the expectation of something happening. Like audition after audition after audition after audition. You keep showing up. You keep doing the auditions. You keep doing the footwork. You keep doing the stuff you know you need to do. And eventually it's a numbers game and it will happen. Eventually. And if it doesn't, then you have to kind of decide then. But if you're doing the work, that's the best you can do. Everything else is out of your control most of the time, you know? So I don't know where I got an audition tangent, but... No, I mean, it's true. I, I audition all the time, so I'm always there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thought process that I have recently started getting used to. Because, um, yeah, I got here at 23 and yeah. was just like running into a wall a lot and I burnt myself Mm -hmm. out but I also wasn't I wasn't changing anything I wasn't changing any material I wasn't finding things that I enjoy to do in a uncomfortable situation like I was just expecting it to happen be for I don't even know why it was just like I'll just keep doing this exact same thing and at some point it'll work it's like right the the work and the and the joy of the joy of auditioning is finding different ways to make it work is yes. doing that exploring. So I can feel at least a little bit artistically fulfilled doing something that is wildly unnatural and taking material that is not meant to be done that way and making it look good. Like it's, it's not a natural process as an artist to like audition your work, but finding new ways to continue to work and to, inspire yourself to work have been it's it's changed my entire mindset um in the past recent years or in, especially as we've been inside for a year and some change yeah well and that's like that's the thing too i mean look i have i've been lucky enough to work during this time um and i had i have auditioned more than i've worked but i've worked quite a bit more than i thought i, I would um and the name of the game with it, like like this past week has been a very slow week, but as far as auditions are concerned, um, but when I do have auditions, I'm like, I get burnt out. I get, whether they be self-tapes or voiceovers, whatever it is, I have to remind myself, I have to constantly remind myself to show up and do the work and prepare, show up, do the work, prepare, show up, do the work, prepare. But what I'm trying to do also, and it's you know, piggybacking off of what you say is make it my own. I actually posted something today on Instagram from this guy that I know from the internet who posted his audition from this job that he booked. And he's showing you exactly what he did. He booked this movie called Mank, mm-hmm. um, this part. He had a couple of lines in it. And he was just himself. He was himself in the beginning of the self-tape. He did his thing. And that was it. And then you he put... Uh, like side by side his lines and then what they looked like in the movie. And just to show you that, that it's possible that we're all like out here doing whatever we're doing at wherever level we're at, but not to throw away the opportunities just to use it, to be you, to be creative, do what you do and throw it out there. And that's exactly what he did in an authentic way. And it was so inspiring. I reposted it on Instagram because, you know, and and I say this with the caveat that I know a lot of people possibly that are listening to this have zero auditions, nothing is going on. Some people have gotten dropped by their agents. It's a really tough fucking time right now. So my heart goes out to anybody out there who is struggling, whoever is listening, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We just got to like, it's one day at a time. 
But if you do have auditions, if you're lucky enough to get them and have opportunities, you might as well make it yours. And especially when they come back too, you know, we're not going to be in the rooms. And, you know, when theater starts coming back, we're not going to be in the rooms right, right, right away for auditions necessarily. So like getting used to, you know, everyone has to start getting used to what they look like on camera, like getting their setup straight up so that you can set yourself up to succeed. A lot of times I hear people saying, well, it doesn't matter because of this. It doesn't matter. And if that's the attitude you go into, it, it's already hard enough. This business mm-hmm. is already hard enough. You have to go into it with an attitude like, okay, I know I'm good. I have no control over what's going to happen, but I can set myself up to at least do the best I can for me. Once we start putting roadblocks in front of that, which I do all the time and I have to check myself at 43 years old and 22 years in this business, I constantly have to do it. I constantly have to recalibrate, constantly have to say, okay, Leslie, get out of your own way. Okay, get out of your own ego. Um, and literally, and I will tell you a story. I don't know if we have time. We but have so much time. You could go forever. Okay, so this is an audition story. And again, I I feel like, you know, I I don't want to apologize too much. I've earned my seat at the table to say I put in my time. So if I do, you know, the opportunities that come my way, some have been from being in the business for a long time. Some have been from the footwork that I've chosen to do to pivot, especially when it comes to TV um, and, and voiceover. So uh, a couple of months ago or two months ago now, two and a half months ago, um, I got a call uh, to audition for the show called The First Lady. And it was just announced recently. Congratulations. I, you know, that, that thank you that I that I played Martha Graham in this TV show and I've already filmed it. And I got the call and I said, you must be fucking kidding me. I'm not auditioning to play Martha Graham. Like, you guys, <laughs> like, I, I can dance, but I'm not Martha Graham. Like, and they're like, it's Martha Graham in 1939. She's in her 40s, early 40s. This is the deal. They want you to put yourself on tape, and they want it in, t- in five hours. Of course. Like, I found out the night before, and then I said no. And then they called me, and they said, just put yourself on tape. You got five hours. And, I'm, and I literally cried in my car, okay, because I was so obsessed in my own head that they're going to make fun of me. I'm not, I can't do this. This is like, why don't they just get a dancer? They're putting people through this. This is like torture. This is not for me. Why can't I just like play the sassy, like frigging secretary who gets fired or something? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like what, what, why, 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 why? Okay. Totally pity partying, totally not appreciating the opportunity that was put in front of me because of my own bullshit. And then I got angry and then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to put myself on tape. Screw it. I, got, I went to Target. I got a, like a top that looks like a leotard. I slicked my hair back. I called my acting coach, Ted. I said, what the fuck do I do? He sends me links of Martha Graham. I study them for a couple of hours. I make my makeup look right. I set up my lighting. I look at the lines. I study the lines. I try to, I, I try to like as much as I can absorb in a couple of hours, Martha Graham, who I already knew before, like we all do, but like really taking it in. And I did those fucking scenes and I was not completely off book. I didn't give a shit. Cause I was like, I'm doing this for me. I'm going to put myself on tape because I can't get in my own way. And I have to do this for me. I have to do this to sh- prove to myself that I'm just as good as anybody else. I'm probably not going to get this job, but I'm going to show these people that I'm not afraid, right? Yeah, because if you're thinking that they're doing it to laugh at you, you're like, "Well, fuck you! I'm going to do this." You're not going to be able to laugh. You might not get. You might not cast me, but you're right. not going to laugh at me because I'm good yeah. at this. Yeah, I literally looked straight in that camera and I was like, "I've been dancing on Broadway for ten years." Um, or whatever many years I and I wasn't like I'm a prima ballerina. I'm like, this is my dance because they wanted to know your dance history. Not knowing if I'd have to dance in this fucking thing. Meanwhile, I have a little pandemic weight on me. I'm totally freaking. I literally was crying in my car to my friend Chris because of uh, I was scared. Okay, I'm scared and um and it's vulnerable. You know, you're playing a famous fucking person. Like, are you joking? Five hours? Like, I need four months. Right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so um and literally a Pilates reformer. So I do it 
and we get the call and my manager's like, so yeah, you're their first choice right now. It's not um, set in stone yet, but Suzanne Beer, you're her first choice. And I started to laugh. I was like, you're joking. And she's like, no, we're not. We're not joking. Like, this is real. I was like, oh, okay. And still, I was like, okay, sure, great, but not putting anything on it really. Like, okay. Because it was a really good tape. And at some point, I'll I'll send it to you and I'll show you. Um, it was a good tape, real good tape. And I was so mad in it. That was perfect. It was perfect, actually, because she reams um, someone, a new asshole in the scene without saying too much because I'm not allowed because nice. I signed an NDA. Whatever. We love NDAs. Um, I yell at somebody. So, yeah. And then I booked it. I booked that job. Can you imagine if I had said no? If I had said no, like my that, that booking that job has has really been a big thing for me because the people I met, the work that I was able to do, there's nothing funny about what I what I'm doing in this show. It's a complete complete departure from anything that I've ever done, been able to do, and everything I've been working towards doing, which is booking more television and television that I really like. Mm-hmm. And this was something that's an amazing opportunity for me. And if I had gotten in my way, all the work that I've been doing over the past how many years now to try to get more television, to try to sort of separate myself from just being a musical theater person, wouldn't have paid off because I cut the opportunity. I said, you know, I told the universe to go fuck itself. And and that's what I guess what I'm imparting to anybody who's listening to this is you just don't know. And and by the way, I've said no to a lot of things that I have no problem saying no to. And I'm not talking about jobs. I'm talking about like, you know, doing this thing for free or that mm-hmm. thing or whatever. I've done so many of those things. There's times where I just don't have the energy. But with an audition like this, if you are out there and you get an opportunity in any way, shape or form, and you're like, this is not me, I don't know or whatever, just do it anyway. Just do it anyway. It it puts some self-esteem into your bank. It's like it's like – um. What a friend of mine used to say, it's uh, an investment. Mm. It's an investment in your in your self-confidence, in your self-worth, in your self-esteem to show up anyway. And I'm saying this to you as I say it to myself anytime an email pops up with another audition and I'm like, and that weird feeling goes, oh, God, they're never going to give this to me. They're going to give it to blah, blah, or this person. I go, okay. And, 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 and just to add on it, okay, I have framed, framed. Um, a piece of the script from the episode that I'm in to remind myself, and I put it in my, I have an office in my house, to, and I put it on the wall. It's the same room that I make all my tapes to remind me whenever I feel that, that it is possible, that it, it, it can happen for you because it did. And all you needed to do was show up. Show up and do the same work. So I can't make that as an excuse because I just don't know. Even if I've been right 95% of the time, there's that still that 5%. And that was a perfect example of, of that. So that is my story. <laughs> yeah, there's – you had plenty of legitimate concerns. Yeah. You know, like five hours is not a lot of time to put anything together. You – as everybody has a little COVID weight on, probably not as comfortable in your body as you would have liked to be. Like yep. all of these things – are real true things that yeah it's hard but it's it's definitely like yeah fuck it i'm going to make it i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to make this tape and if they like it cool i like it <laughs> it's when i'm making things that i know that i don't like as i'm taping them that i'm like uh okay maybe not exactly and it happens to be a good script, so I was lucky. When things are good material, you're like, okay. And even like, you know, even if it's like half good, I'm telling you, watch what I posted today on Instagram, this guy that posted what I have. It's, it's kind of amazing because you're like, wait, there's no smoke and mirrors to this. He put himself on tape. Even if self-tape setup wasn't that good, it didn't even matter. He literally taped himself in like a corner of his room. There was no fancy backdrop. There was no none of that. And the bottom line is, is like if anyone gets opportunities out there right now, which by the way, if you are, it is so rare 
for a lot of people to get any appointments right now for anything. I'm, I'm, I really feel like I'm in an age bracket right now where I'm, I'm like getting a lot of the, the parts that I'm actually right for mm-hmm. now where I paid them in college, but actually right now I'm right. Like I, you guys, I play a mom in television. I shot a Geico commercial, not too. I am playing a mother of two. Okay. <laughs> I am there. All right. So I'm cashing in. Yes. Okay. I'm mom, momdom. Make that mom but money. But if you get an opportunity and, and if you aren't getting opportunities, this is what I want to tell people. A, yes, you can make your own. But don't, you know, everyone's going through something different emotionally during this time. Like you are doing this podcast, which is amazing. And I'm so happy. It's very inspiring to me. But even even self working on yourself, like doing things that help you feel good about you and keep your art going, you know, start practicing again, start doing the things that you were doing before when you thought that there were opportunities to do them. Don't wait until the opportunities come because you won't be ready. They're going to come. Regional theaters, I just got, I'm going to, most likely, I can't tell you what it is, but most likely I'm going to be doing a show this summer. Um, Yes. And I'm very excited about it. It was supposed to be last summer and it didn't happen, but now it's happening. Things are happening. Things are going to start auditioning. Things are going to start trickling in slowly and you want to be ready, right? You want to, like, if you sing and you haven't been singing, you got to start singing, like start doing the stuff because- Someone is out there doing it, right? And <laughs> like right now, I haven't sang in T minus forever. So this this thing this summer that is probably going to happen now, I have to get my ass on my lazy ass practicing. Like, okay, me, 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 me. <laughs> like, okay, like you got to start practicing because your ass is not going to get through one rehearsal of the score. So, you know, and I'm old. So like, it's, it's just about, it's not even about like beating yourself up. It's, it's setting yourself up to be the best you, especially if you are passionate and you love what you do. Like so many things right now, and then I'll end my rant, I promise. <laughs> like so many things right now seem bleak. Okay. Mm-hmm. So many things. So, so, so many things. But if, if there's something out there that's your calling, and you love doing it, and you think it's just bleak, and there's no way, and there's no jobs right now, just keep doing what you were doing before when it was possible, because it will be again. And you want to shine, and you'll be ready. Uh, Yes. Yes to all of that. I have nothing (laughs) to add. I have... I wrote a book. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I was like, not. oh my God, did you? <laughs> I've, I've bought all the books. <laughs> so many books. I have bought all the books. I am a Brene Brown fan. Um... Yes, I'm so sorry. I talked you a lot. You are the guest. You can talk as much as you want. <laughs> but as we are nearing the end of our time together um, yes. right now, I don't think this is our time forever. I ask all my guests this question. Do you have any questions for me? Yes, I do. And I've been wanting to ask you. I, I didn't know if that was a, a thing. So yes. Where did you go to college? I went to Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. I know it very well. Um yeah, am I allowed to ask like a few? You can ask as yeah, go for it. Okay. If you could have any job right now, what would it be? Um, I would have a talk show. On television? Yeah. Okay. I truly think it's like the best mix of my talents. What do you think your your top talent is? Uh my humor, my wit. Yeah. Dude, you're funny. Thank you. <laughs> You're really funny. It takes a lot for my husband to laugh. You're oh, really, yes. really funny. No, I really do. And it's one of those things that like, I went through the BFA program. I did the whole thing. I did the dance. And it Oof. it's not, it's not great. <laughs> and it's really, it it's really based on creating people who resemble people who are already doing it. Right. I know. Um, and throughout all of that, I always, I mean, I, just like you, I've always known that I was funny. So it's like, if I'm given a funny scene, I know that I was good. You might not have liked it, but I know that I understand the cadence and the the material. Like, I, I, I know how to do that. So I've always been just very secure in that talent of mine. And then right. the rest of it comes and goes. But I will always know that I'm funny. Wow. 
Okay, I have two more questions. Just because, why not? Um, what do you think the one thing that would be that would prevent you from getting what you going for what you want to do? I internalize a lot of stress instead of asking for help, mm-hmm. and I have had experiences in my life that have that's gotten too much and it's been not great. Um, So now that I'm on the other end of that, I'm just very aware of the fact that I halt myself a lot. Mm -hmm. And I am just now, like I just said, this whole beautiful thing about always knowing that I'm funny, but I had no idea that I knew how to write until recently because I just don't have a grasp on grammar. And so going through the education system, that's, you know, based on learning these rules, I was told that I'm a bad writer. And I internalized that instead of taking the other note that was always written, which is you have really good ideas. Right. So, yeah, I know that everybody says it, but in a lot of ways, I can be my own worst enemy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I've always thought that about writing also. I've always been told I was very funny and like, you should do this and you should do that. And I'm like, but I have the horrible grammar and I don't know structure. And that's all just a cop out too, because that shit can be learned and it can be changed and anything can be changed. Um, And um, yeah, Yeah. I guess that's my last question because I think it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I used that as a cop out for a long time too. I mean, I also think, there are ways to tell people like you should make something that is a cop out, which can be like, we don't know where to put you. So why don't you like use the skill that we hope you have to like create your own work or it can be very encouraging and be like, I see the ideas in your mind and the way that you work. And I think that would be fascinating for people to experience. Right. So it's, for me, it's always recognizing the two sides of that coin, and I will nine times out of ten take the negative over the positive from those notes, but I'm really working on it. Also, do you think if I started a podcast that people would care? <laughs> Absolutely. I think you're so... But don't start a podcast for people to care. Just start a podcast because you want to. Yes, Correct. Yes. It is definitely something that is a labor of love. Um Yes. But I think if you have a good idea and you are as warm and welcoming and so easy to talk to as we have just experienced together for this past hour, I think many people would listen to it. Yeah, I, I, I've wanted, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. And then I'm like, everyone's done it. But that's been always my, it's like, well, no one's going to, no one's going to listen. No one's going to, you know, it's those, you know, bad neighborhood in your brain thoughts. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe 2021, I will. I need to make more funny stuff, though. I'm saying it now. I'm saying it here. More funny stuff. That I'm going to be making more funny stuff because I love making it. And I just – I think this year has been so hard. I know we're almost out of time. We're out of time. But so sensitive with so many things, so many people in pain and hurting and all of these issues and stuff that has been coming up in the work that we've all been doing to be better people and also, like, survive. Mm -hmm. That I've had a hard time posting funny things because I feel like it's, um, I don't know, I, I've gotten really sensitive about it. So I think this year is going to be reclaiming my humor and really realizing two people need to laugh, just like you were putting out your stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I needed to see that today. That just killed me. Um, so keep doing it because... It really, it did. It really made my day. Your tweet. And now here we are. And here we are. Fast friends. Here we are. And perfect. And and yes. And we are going to continue to be friends. And um, I'm so glad that you asked me to do this podcast. It really, it really, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest. And I, you know, keep making your stuff. People need more of your Rachel Zoe. Okay. That's just all I'm going to say. Oh my God. Is she even alive? Like I don't she... know. I don't know where she went. She was like around in 2008 and then gone. I mean, hold on. I'm just going to look her up real <laughs> quick on Instagram because if she's alive, she'll be on there. Um, 
She still has 3.4 million followers. Okay. And she still has children. All right. And yeah, I guess she's, yeah, she's still, she's still alive. She is still alive and posing in platforms. Fierce. Good for her. Well, Leslie, where can the, where can the children find you? Where can they find all these new funny things? I'm on Instagram. Great. Uh, I'm on the Twitter, even though I'm not on it as much, but like, because there's just so many things. So I'm much. not on TikTok, but I am on Instagram. I do most of my stuff on Instagram. Yeah, and that's that, that, that and Twitter, but more Instagram. Love it. Well, thank you again so much. This has literally been an incredible conversation that I will carry with me for such a long time. Oh, thanks. And we're going to keep in touch. Absolutely. You and I, because I think um, you're just the best. When's your birthday? What month? August 15th. You're a Leo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, figured. Yeah. Love it. Well, you're the best. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. All right, until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 